0: Welcome to EdSpark 21, the podcast from Battelle for Kids, dedicated to capturing conversations and spreading the word to accelerate the realization of 21st century, deeper learning for every student.
1: The issues surrounding diversity, equity, and inclusion are complex and very important. At Patel for Kids, we have made the exploration of DEI a priority, both for our focus and our internal learning. We are partnering with Stephen Chang and the National Equity Project to support us in this work. Recently, while Stephen was in our office, we sat down to talk about the role equity must play in realizing the power and promise of 21st century learning for every student. Here's our conversation. Steven, you've dedicated a significant portion of your professional career to this important work of diversity, equity, inclusion, and advancing um, those ideas and helping us get better as a society. So tell us a little bit about why you have dedicated so much to this, why you think it's important, and then maybe about your organization, why this is something that's very, very important to your organization.
2: I think it's actually a, a, a somewhat similar response on both sides. Our work began with um, development of small uh, schools within the coalition of schools uh, model. Um, and it was actually through working with communities that had been historically underserved that we began to uh, really actually understand both the ways in which the system wasn't designed in order to actually meet their needs and to be in relationship with them. And then we just got to know them and to care about um, having an impact on that. And what we discovered is that we actually had something to, to offer. And when you are faced with the level of oppression and of underservice um, that we see uh, for communities all across the country, and you actually believe that you can make a difference and you can do something about it, then um, that sort of just becomes an automatic kind of drive to say, like, I can, I can actually make a difference in this. And for me personally, it was very much that way. You know, I began as a school counselor um, in, uh, in a high school in California, and I didn't necessarily even really understand what a commitment to equity was. But through mentorship and partnership with some amazing teachers and educators um, within, uh, within that school, that I actually got awakened to the challenges that we face within our education system and to what I might be able to actually do to contribute to that change. And so I think it's kind of as simple as that for me.
1: (laughs) As it relates to our core work, which is advancing 21st century learning for all children, we believe very strongly that this work has to be grounded with a, a lens around diversity, equity, inclusion, because we know full well that Um, Many there are students and young people across the country that have experienced a 21st century education, uh, but there's far too few of them. And so we believe that in order for us to accelerate and scale 21st century learning, that we have to also wrestle with the equity challenge. Can you speak to that around your perspectives around the intersection between those two things?
2: Yeah, I mean, what I would say is. I think about the urgency around 21st-century learning as being directly connected to the shifts in our economy, and that you know, really, in many ways, we moved began moving out of an industrial economy in the you know 1970s, 1980s, by some accounts. And so, as that had shifted, in many ways, the inequities of the industrial economy are now being. Transferred over to, and in many cases magnified um, into the information economy um, that we're that we're in now, or the digital economy, depending on how you. Think about it. And both the challenge and the opportunity is recognizing that in some ways, those schools and students and communities that have taken the furthest steps around 21st century learning, in many ways have the most access and opportunity related to the information or digital economy. And those communities um, that have been historically underserved are still not even being well served necessarily within an industrially uh, model of education.
1: So I often tell people that um, this old saying, I don't even know the origins of it, that everyone wants everything to improve, but nothing to change. And today you shared a metaphor that I thought was pretty profound. In fact, I plan to steal it. Uh, So about the beach metaphor. So if you could talk a little bit about that, I, I just found it fascinating.
2: Sometimes when we're talking about the relationship between 21st century learning and equity, I'll often use the metaphor of a group of folks going down to the beach for the day. And if you have a group that goes and they're getting set up and some folks are feeling really comfortable and feeling like they've got a good location and other folks in the group are feeling like, no, we're actually not very comfortable and, and our needs aren't really getting met. And if some of those folks are saying, hey, could we actually move? We actually can see a spot further down that we, I think everybody could actually be having a better time and everybody could be enjoying this more. And folks that are comfortable might say like, no, we're, we're good. Mm-hmm. Like we don't really need to change anything. But that situation and that context is different if the tide's coming in, you know, the water's coming in and in 30 minutes, we're all going to have our feet wet. And actually some folks already have their toes, you know, having waves lapping at them. Then we're saying like, you know what, we're going to have to move. Like the water's coming in, we're going to have to move. When we move, can we take the opportunity to actually think about what didn't work here and to be able to make uh, our next uh, situation and and our next setup uh, meet everybody's needs in a way that we actually think that we can? And in that metaphor... The twenty first century and the urgency around that shift to twenty first century uh, learning, which pretty much every superintendent, every every principal that I've talked to can feel how behind we are in many ways in that transition. That's that that's water tide, that's coming in. Yeah, that
1: that that's
2: the that's the tide coming in mm-hmm. and the opportunity to say, and as we're doing that, we can either. Ignore it, and the gaps um, for those that have not been well served in our communities is going to widen. Or we can take that opportunity, we can actually really own our intentions and our humanity, our aspirations as a society of what we actually think is possible for each child in America. And we can actually really take the opportunity to really redesign our systems and create a different set of outcomes.
1: The tide is coming in, isn't it? it really I mean, is. We, we do feel a strong sense of urgency. That we're, you know, we're almost 20 years into the 21st century, and yet we still have, as you pointed out, many, many, many students that are not even getting a, a great 20th century education. So we have a long way to go, uh, but time is really on us. We, we've got to start to change. So let's say that you were sitting across from a, a leader who said, you know what, I'm not going to let this continue to happen in my own school district. Um, I see the inequities how would you suggest that they begin to tackle those in their own district?
2: We've been heavily influenced by incorporating a complexity lens um, into our work. And so we actually think about in our Leading for Equity framework, it's it's looking at the intersection of equity and complexity and then Given um, the relationship between those, um, when we're looking at equity challenges, how uh, design and in in our case, our model around liberatory design Mm -hmm. um, becomes a necessary approach um, to actually addressing complex equity challenges. So when we are thinking about, um, or I'm sitting down with a leader and um, helping them to think about how do we make change? We think about that it's around seeing differently, engaging differently, and acting differently. The seeing differently is is first around how do we just begin with doing listening? Um, how do we begin with really understanding the history, context, both of our national education system, but also of our local context. Like, what do Mm -hmm. I need to know about what's happened here in my community, in this corner of the United States, um, that is informing the kinds of relationships, the kinds of opportunities and patterns um, that we're seeing. And then engaging differently is around how is it that um, I'm starting to create some of those new relationship networks, that I'm realizing that some of the traditional ways of leading and of teaching um, are perpetuating mm-hmm. and are built off of a 20 20th century education model and we actually really need to actually lead and teach differently if we're going to move into a 21st century model from there the uh, the pitfall that we um, that we really uh, are asking folks to to question and to um, to pull back from is the lure of going to scale immediately um, mm-hmm. that the Plan of or the the strategy of getting a bunch of well-intentioned folks in a room together um, and hashing out a plan over the course of a day or two, and then rolling that out to an entire district or an entire uh, community, that we've seen again and again that we that in a complex challenge that. We just don't know enough in order to be able to do that at a successful an effective way. And so it really is around uh, how is we're designing safe to fail experiments. How is it that we're um, in, in the language around uh, complex change? It's like, how are we doing some probing um, in order to learn more to see how does the system respond to change? Um, and then also seeing what kinds of changes get the most energy and traction. We very often think about change as happening based on Mm -hmm. mechanical principles. And what we actually know is that human systems don't Mm -hmm. actually uh, behave the same as mechanical systems and that there's a a very different uh, set of dynamics and ways that we accelerate change within a human living system um, than we we would use in a mechanical system. And the majority of our traditional education uh, models and leadership training models are based around mechanical systems change.
1: You stated earlier today, and and we often talk about reclaiming the conversation, about how important it is to engage the broader community, really understanding their perspectives, really listening uh, very carefully uh, to the perspectives of varied individuals throughout the community. But you said earlier today, change the conversation, change the future. Could you elaborate on that just a little bit more?
2: We often hear conversations about broken schools, broken school systems. Um, and at National Electric Project, we fundamentally don't believe that it's broken, that it's doing what it was originally designed to do. The truth is that our education system was founded in a time when there was enormous amounts of explicit discrimination, of explicit different intentions and Mm -hmm. expectations around the education of our children based on all kinds of different um, aspects of race and identity um, that certain children weren't welcomed in schools and or weren't expected to have the same kind of outcomes, the same kind of potential, and or the same kind of opportunities available to them uh, once they left school. So when we are recognizing that that's our context, um, then when we talk about what does it mean to change the conversation, then the conversation is, is to say how we're going to need to fundamentally think about education and the design of education differently. A very simple example of it is if we think, you know, we talk about students as dropping out of school. If we reframe that into that kids feel like they're pushed out of school, then how does that actually change the kinds of solutions and the kinds of strategies that we would employ? And so there's, there's a lot of ways in which our language can drive the kinds of assumptions and our sort of thinking. And so when we actually examine that, when we put that within context, then it allows us to think about how is it that the, the conversation, the narrative around our schools and around education is a key lever around how we accelerate. The change. I worked in the middle of my time with National Creek Project. Um, I went back to school site level work as a middle school and a high school administrator. In the school that I was working in, it, it's a community on the um, northeast side of Denver that has, you know, experienced a lot of marginalization on all fronts—not just education, in terms of economic development, in terms of transportation, in terms of healthcare, in terms of healthy foods. And so when um, we were working on building the culture and community of that school, what we said um, as a leadership team is we're not going to keep telling the same negative stories about Mm -hmm. this school or about this community, Um, that they're not true. um, They're not a whole story. They don't actually respect or reflect the assets and, and the values and the, um, the wants and hopes of this community. And so we're not going to keep telling those stories. And so what is the actual true story of both what is wanted, what is hoped for, needed here, and also what can be true? I think that that's a, a part of that changing the conversation and that reclaiming that you're talking about is how is it that we're recognizing what can Authentically be true, and that what we what we see, but we have to see things different Mm -hmm. in order to do it.
1: You know quite a bit about our work, and that is when we go out into communities and we really talk about how the world has changed, what that what the implications are for our young people, for our school systems, in order for us to equip all of our young people to be successful and thrive in this rapidly changing world and economy. But we do that in a way that after we talk about these significant and seismic to some extent shifts that have occurred in our economy, in our world. Um, we also just get ra- right down to the fact that, you know, these are the community schools. You know, they're not the superintendent schools, they're not the principal schools, they're the community schools. And we focus a lot of that conversation around what are the hope streams and aspirations that this community has for its young people. And we do that in a way that develops this portrait of a graduate, which we find is very aspirational And it creates a lot of positive momentum for the kind of changes that you just talked about. Tell us a little bit about that connection then between the Portrait of a Graduate and this work.
2: I uh, have been uh, attending the uh, Patel for Kids and Ed Leader 21 annual event for now three years. In uh, some of the work around Portrait of a Graduate, one of the conversations that we were having at at the annual event was this idea of for me, what really resonated was actually the metaphor of a portrait um, mm-hmm. and this idea of that, can I actually see myself in that portrait? You know, is that portrait of me right. um, and for each Kid to be able to say, not only is that does that represent what I want to be true for my life, but Mm -hmm. I also like I see my story in it, and I think that that's the some of that intersection is how is it that um, I'm both seeing as a as a student and and also as a family that um, I'm seeing that this school this district cares about my future and what I actually. I'm hoping for and the opportunities and choices that I want to be true. And that also it's it's reflecting my culture, my life, um, and the journey that it's taken for me to to be, you know, here in this moment in school as well.
1: And, and we find that we encourage school districts that engage that process to have lots of students yeah. at the table um because it just adds lends so much power to that conversation because they do want a voice. Yeah. So talk a little bit about what you're seeing and what you're Hoping to see maybe across the country, and that is more and more students having feeling like they can affect yeah. there and have a say over their education and can begin to shape that, and it not they don't come to the work as necessary prisoners or or you know that, that they actually come with being able to really affect their own learning.
2: Yeah, the shift of the uh, mindset within education. That the adults in the building are the sort of keepers and holders of the knowledge, um, and then they're mm-hmm. imparting it um, to the kids is part of the transition that we're trying to move out of. And recognizing that, especially in a, you know in a digital age, and and with um, the amount of knowledge and information that's on the internet and through other open sources. That really what we're actually trying to help students do is to become really the curators and the um, and the investigators um, and to really build those skills and to be alongside of them as they are doing that learning. And they're out there doing that learning on their own if mm-hmm. we're not – whether we're there or not. Um, mm-hmm. And what we are seeing more and more is that you know kids are coming in and, and saying – hey, why aren't we examining this? Why aren't I learning about how I can have an impact within my community and and solve uh, problems and, and make progress on things that I care about? And realizing just how much energy naturally comes from that and how much learning kids are doing just in the process of, engaging with something Mm -hmm. that they are already either excited about or feel like is important um, to them. And I think whenever we're creating those moments um, that we really see more and more just how ready our kids are to dive in. Now, I will also say like that requires – support that requires of some course. you know, honest yeah. uh, skill building and capacity building for our young people. And the earlier that we begin to do that, the stronger that they feel, the more confident um, that they feel in being able to engage in that work.
1: Today, you used a, a Margaret Wheatley quote. That's, it's one of my favorites, and I, I often use it myself, but I wanted you to speak to it because I think it's so powerful. And the quote goes something like this, it is not our differences that divide us, Rather, it's our judgments of one another. Be curious rather than certain. Can you elaborate on that?
2: Yeah. Uh, so we use that um, very often as we're doing team development, and as we're as we're or we're bringing and convening folks together. It's kind of this fundamental idea about valuing each other's different experiences and perspectives, and really recognizing that there's enormous opportunity and value in where we actually have differences and even where we disagree, if we're willing to care about each other and to listen to each other and actually recognize that uh, somehow putting those together is going to be important in order for us to make progress forward. Um, And so that idea around being able to slow down, um, to be... To be connected, to re- recognize that our links, that our fates are linked, and then to um, to actually do some of that what can be you know challenging listening work to each other, and then to say and you know I often have said and I, and I think I said today, part of the name of this game is staying at the table, um, mm-hmm. and so if we care enough about the outcome, if we care enough about where we're trying to get to, if we recognize that we only get there or we get there much faster if we do it together, then. We stay at the table, and through enormous creativity, um, that we try and find—you know—what are what are some of the innovations? What are some of the uh, new ways and new possibilities that we need to create in order for us to really, as you said, reclaim um, our education system and, and the conversation.
1: This uh, the notion of being curious rather than certain. You know how often we come to conversations with a preconceived notion. Versus sitting back and just really listening. And that's a challenge. That's that's hard as human yeah. beings, I think, uh, to do some of that. But that intersection between curiosity and empathy, uh, I think, is really fascinating. And there's some new research there around that intersection.
2: What we've found as being a condition that really supports uh, folks to be able to stay at the table and be curious with each other is um, when it is connected to a shared objective or goal. If we're just bringing people together and asking them to share their individual stories just for sharing's sake, then it's a harder container to hold. But when we're saying, no, we're actually working on something that all of us care about, and we have different needs and different perspectives on it, but it matters that we're doing this together, then that creates a productive pressure that keeps people together all the way through what can be a challenging conversation so that you get to something that allows you to move forward. And in that process, in that learning together about each other, in that building of empathy um, for each other, that what we even think the problem is uh, changes. And then therefore, it creates all new possibilities around what the solution can be.
1: So I, I like how you described how you connect you know, these, these challenging conversations, but connect them to real meaningful work. So there's something that's it's rooted in. And we find that when, when the portrait of a graduate is what the community is trying to accomplish together, that we want our portrait of a graduate to be the reality for every child in the system, then I do think it provides that kind of aspirational and important goal that we're going to wrestle with these issues of equity because that is important.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great example of how that can be an anchor that's shared. And and again, if uh, if every every child can say like, yeah, I can see myself in that portrait, then it allows us to say, okay, well, what do we need to do differently? What do we each need to contribute in order for us to get there? Um, and what do we need to learn about each other um, in the process?
1: And then as as educational leaders, you know, what kind of work can we lead? You know, in examining not only how do we how do we support people in thinking about this work in a different way? Um, how do we look at our structures, um, our policies at the local level, uh, so that um, you know every child does, in fact, um, have that experience that equips them to be that portrait of a graduate? Yeah. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for your contributions today. Thank you for being our thought partner in this important work. We don't think we have all the answers as it relates to diversity, equity, inclusion. We, by far, we don't. Uh, But we know this is an important issue, very important issue, and one that we're, we're saying we want to learn about it, and we want to lead in the right way. So thank you for helping us uh, with that.
2: Well, thank you for inviting me today and um, also really appreciate the amazing work that Patel for Kids is doing throughout all of your networks um, and the ways that you're pushing what are really challenging but incredibly important and urgent um, conversations and progress um, for young people all across the country.
1: Thanks, Stephen. I'd like to personally thank Stephen Chang for his participation in this episode of EdSpark 21 and for helping the patel for kids team define our diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy. I would also like to thank him for his work and the work the National Equity Project are doing all across the nation. I also want to acknowledge and thank the Hewlett Foundation for supporting patel for kids in our DEI work. We are very grateful.
0: The EdSpark 21 podcast is a production of Battelle for Kids. Battelle for Kids collaborates with school systems and communities to realize the power and promise of 21st century learning for every student. Go to bfk.org to learn more. The music heard in this podcast is On Fire by Sasha Ende, copyright 2019 and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. All other content in this episode of EdSpark21 is the intellectual property of Battelle for Kids. Other podcasts and blog posts from Battelle for Kids can be found at bfk.org.